0: Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Preaching a new series, it's entitled Body Armor, and this series is about uh, the scripture in Ephesians where Paul is talking to the Ephesian church. Um, he's talking about the, the armor of God, so... Um, that's really what the whole series is about. I'm really excited about it. It's a great uh way to just know and understand how we can um you know go about our lives with uh the protection and and the offensive um weapons that God has given us in the spiritual world so uh, this is a little bit of a different series than what we have normally done in the past, so I just want to uh just share a quick story with you today. but before I do, I just wanted to share you know that the uh the world that we live in everything around us, everything that's happening really in this place, all around the city, uh, different parts of the world, everywhere that we go, there's a spiritual battle that is happening all around us that we can't really see. So um, that's really what what the point of Paul's letter to the Ephesians was in this chapter. Um, He was talking about that there is a spiritual battle that is constantly happening around us, and we need to be ready for that. We need to um, have the armor that God has given to us, and and that's really what this is all about. So um, around us, in our culture, in our society, uh, you know, in America, in the Western culture. Um, spiritual warfare is typically not really manifested in the same ways as other places in, in the world. Uh, a lot of times you'll see it through things like addiction. You'll see it through hate. You'll see it through division, things like that. Th- you'll see it through addictions, anger, depression, uh, anxiety. There's so many different things and emotions and, and, and issues that we have all around us that that the enemy will use to um, to bring the spiritual warfare into our area, into our lives. So that's a lot of times what we see in our culture. That's things that we are used to seeing. Um, But I wanted to share a story about a time where I actually saw like a very tangible uh, expression of of spiritual warfare that happened right in front of me. And uh, it's a little bit weird to to hear because even for me, as I experienced this, it was something that I never had seen before in my life. Something that I've just heard about, whether it was in the gospels, um, in scripture, or whether it was friends that had experienced it. But Um, there was a time where I was on a mission ship in Uganda, in Africa. And as I was there, um, one of the things that we would do is we would have big festivals, uh, We've shared about things like this in the past uh, In the past couple of years. We actually went on a trip this past summer to uh, another place in Africa. But this was two years ago when I was in Uganda. Um, we were having a festival where thousands and thousands of people were coming to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were coming to hear the hope and the joy and, and the love that he had for the city of, of Uganda and, and all around the area. And as we're there, um, part of their culture is that's different than ours is that a lot of times, when they have sicknesses, a lot of times when they have things that they're dealing with and, and struggling with, um, whether it's pain or disease or or uh, you know just the issues that that you deal with day to day, uh, instead of going and going to maybe a doctor where they'll get like a prescription for something, maybe like an antidepressant or things like that, uh, a lot of times it's very normal for them to go to witch doctors, and this is why it's such a different thing there. It's like a different atmosphere with them, um, but it's it's very heavy almost because you see firsthand. Um, things that are very similar to Jesus' ministry and things that would happen whenever he would go around town to town with his disciples. And it says that he would cast out demons. There was people that would manifest uh, in these demons and he would pray for them and then they would be gone in the name of Jesus because they have no power over Jesus. So um, this actually would happen uh, at times in countries like this because they would go to people that were witch doctors who would, you know, tell them, you know, I can heal you of this thing, and then they would make some sort of concoction or spell or something like that. So it's very weird for us to hear. It's even weird for me as I'm saying this, but it is something that is a reality in certain parts of the world. Um, and it would be a reality here, it's just not common. So uh, this is something that you would see there often. So I just wanted to share a quick story about this woman that I encountered who was dealing with um, with these issues in her spiritual world. So it's interesting because we were in this festival there was this huge field that we were in preaching the gospel of Jesus. We were preaching the good news of God. And and there was such an amazing atmosphere, um similar to what what we experienced here this morning just as we were praying and as we were worshiping God and you know you can sort of feel the presence of God, you can feel the peace that he has that he has to offer for us. And that's what that's really what it was like as we were preaching the good news um to these tens of thousands of people in Africa. It was It was beautiful. It was like electric. It was just everything that was happening was so exciting. There was so much joy all around us. Um, But then, oftentimes, when God is doing something amazing, the enemy does not like it. I don't know if you've experienced that. But a lot of times when God is moving, whenever the Holy Spirit is moving and speaking and changing the lives of people and speaking to their hearts... The devil hates that because obviously he is against that. So he would try to do things to distract people. He would try to do things to take their eyes off of God and what he is doing and distract them and make them lose focus. And and this particular experience, whenever we were in Uganda, this will happen through people that actually um, are demon-possessed. And whenever this happens, often, um, you know, they'll be distracting, they'll, um, you know, like shout a little bit, like different things will happen as they manifest. And because of this, what we will do is we'll just go and we'll bring them over to a a separate location where we can pray for them. So that we can uh, help them to overcome these evil spirits that are living inside of them. And... So when we did that, uh, we brought them over to this, we call it the Freedom Tent. So it's a tent that we go to where we can just pray for them and that they would be delivered from the things that are tormenting them. And the atmosphere was so different from the field that we were in where we were preaching the gospel to like a couple hundred feet away to this tent where there was such spiritual warfare really happening. um, And you couldn't really explain it, it was just something that you could, you could really just sense in your heart and in your spirit. And as we were there, I walked in with this woman, and as soon as I walked in through that, through that tent, as soon as I walked into the opening, I could just feel like a heaviness, I could feel this shift in the atmosphere, this shift in the spiritual realm where I felt like happiness, peace, and joy uh, of Jesus, and it shifted over to like a darkness, a heaviness, just uh, oppression because there was battle that was happening in that tent. So as we began to pray for this woman, it was so beautiful to see as she was being, um, she came in being tormented. She couldn't even focus on your eyes, but as we gained her attention and as we prayed with her and and told her that God is greater than this thing that is living in you, God is greater than the torment that you are um, being lied to and that the enemy is telling you uh, time and time again. She wasn't able to sleep at night because she would wake up from nightmares and things that would just terrify her. But after we prayed for her, it was so beautiful to see the joy and the smiles on her face. You could see the hope in her eyes as she um, as, as she was changed by the power of Jesus. And I get a little choked up when I talk about it because it's just so beautiful to see someone's life changing so dramatically in an instant. And she went from being tormented to being filled with joy and hope and peace because of what Jesus did in her life. So, I wanted to just briefly share that story because um, it's hard to understand and wrap our minds around uh, the spiritual warfare that is happening all around us. It's hard for us to grasp it because it's not really a tangible thing and we can't really see it, but it is there and and it is all around us. So um, as we are a church and we are here together, we are experiencing um, beautiful, the beautiful spiritual aspects of who God is. We are experiencing his joy and peace and hope for us today. Um, But this is what. Paul is talking about in the scriptures in Ephesians. He is talking about this spiritual warfare. So um, although it is different here than it is in Uganda usually, um, the same things are taking place. It just looks a little bit different to us. Um, but let's go ahead and just read uh, the scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have um, your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open them up and read along with me here. Um if you have version, we always encourage people to use YouVersion because it's an amazing tool that you can use. It has a lot of devotionals and things that you can use to uh, just read God's Word. And also, if you don't have a Bible, we actually have free Bibles here that we would like to give to you if you don't have one. Um, so everyone needs a Bible. It's the lifeblood. So if you don't have a Bible, um, feel free to grab one after service. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 10. And we're going to go until verse 14. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it straight through, and then we'll go ahead and uh, unpack it. And i uh, love to just share with you what I feel like God has placed on my heart for you today. So it says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. And this is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest. So as I read this, the first thing that really comes to mind is the very first scripture in this passage. Uh, Verse 10, it says, To be strengthened by the Lord... And by his vast strength. And what I really think about that, when I unpack that, what that really means is that, uh, you know, in my life, oftentimes I feel like I can strengthen myself. Oftentimes I feel like even with good things, like maybe church or maybe with my friends or my life groups, um, I can oftentimes like strengthen myself just by the encouragement that people will give to me. But this is just temporary. Um, Even when I'm listening to like worship music, sometimes I have to make sure that I am actually focusing on the words and and the power that is in the words and the lyrics and the songs that I'm listening to and really understand and grasp the strength that God has for me instead of just being encouraged and and getting like all amped up and and emotional about it because um, I love music, so it tends to do that to me. But if I really understand and grasp the concept that the song is really speaking about, and how great God really is. That's the only way that you can actually be strengthened uh, by the Lord. So as we read Scripture, as we as we pray to God, as we seek Him, um, so only when I strengthen myself by the Lord and by His vast strength am I truly strong in my spirit. Um, and the one one way that I I like to do that is just by reading the scriptures. And there's a few verses that I wanted to just share with you that whenever you're struggling with things like this, whenever you're, you know, feeling um, like life has got you down, uh, some of the verses that I like to remember is, um, is in Philippians. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or in Isaiah, God's word says that he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He says that Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not grow faint. Or in Corinthians, God says that my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. So when we feel like we're weak, that is when God can become the strongest. So whenever you feel like in your own strength that you're not enough, that you're weak, that God will come in and he will take you to a higher level and he will make you stronger. And then finally in Psalms, there's a scripture that says that God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. So when I read these things, you know, that's that's how God is. That's who God is. But the devil is a liar. The devil is against everything that God is. And whenever uh, whenever we're feeling like um, we're not enough, whenever we're feeling like we're, we're struggling and things like that, it says that we need to stand against the tactics of the enemy in this scripture. In verse 11, we need to stand against the tactics of the devil and And as I looked up what the word tactics mean, um, I didn't really know. I mean, I know it's like a military term, I guess. It's like something that when I think of tactic, it's like a, a person that's all decked out in cool gear and camo and stuff. But what tactic actually means when I looked it up, it says that tactics is an action or strategy carefully planned to achieve a specific end. So what Paul is saying is that the enemy, he is... He has tactical strategy. So it says that he is taking action and strategy carefully. He's carefully planning this to achieve a specific end. And and just a spoiler alert, the enemy's specific end is to destroy you. His specific end is to destroy your life and to tear you down piece by piece. His specific end is to lie to you time and time again to make you feel little by little that you're not good enough, that you cannot do what God has called you to do. And see, whenever I think about all the craziness that happens in our world, when I think about all the pain and the hurt that happens in our world, it's, it's not God who is responsible for it. See, the enemy, he takes little things in our lives, very specific things in each one of our lives, and he will continue to lie to us little by little. He is, he is a smooth criminal, so to speak. Um, rest in peace, Michael Jackson. Um, he is a smooth criminal. He knows exactly what he's doing at all times, and he knows exactly how to get to you the worst way. So, God is a good God, and if everyone walked in the specific plans that he had for them, our world would look a whole lot different. See, there wouldn't be broken marriages. There wouldn't be this crazy division in our country. There wouldn't be racism, sexism. There wouldn't be drug addiction. There wouldn't be alcohol abuse. There wouldn't be hatred. All of the things that are so wrong in our world, the enemy is responsible for because he uses each one of us, and he tries his best to speak to us. He tries his best to lie to us and to tell us that we aren't good enough so that we feel depressed. He lies to us and tells us that we cannot achieve what God has called us to do so that we can't reach our fullest potential. This is who the enemy is. So our fight is not against the evil of this world. It's not against um, just the people that are trying to tear us down. It's not against other people. It is against the devil. It is against the enemy. So just like I mentioned before, in Uganda, when people go to a person like like a witch doctor, it's not because they're like, oh, I'm going to go live a life of torment now. I want to go be possessed by a demon so that I can have nightmares every night, so that I can live uh, a horrible life. That's not what they're doing, obviously. There has to be a reason that they go to a person like a witch doctor. The person, I'm sure, is a really nice guy. He's probably a great salesman. He's probably really good at getting people into his little office or whatever you want to call it. Um, so he's not going to be just some person that's, like, really freaky with a bunch of, like, bones in his nose and, like, doing weird dances and stuff. It's going to be someone that that you're going to want to go to, some, something that's appealing to you, someone that is going to tell you, you know, I'm going to heal your baby, I'm going to help your child be able to see, I'm going to make sure that you can walk now, I'm going to, you know, say, that, say or do this ritual that's going to make your life better. But in reality, it's actually going to do the opposite. So the enemy is great at making things look really good. He's great at making things look really attractive. But whenever you um, whenever you do the things that he's trying to entice you to do, over time, you'll be able to see the damage and the hurt that it does. And I wanted to share another brief story about a man who uh, experienced a spiritual battle in a way where he won. Where he was victorious over what the enemy was trying to do to him. His name is Yoon. Uh, he's a man who grew up in China. Um I'm not really sure how old he is now cuz this is a little bit of an older story, but uh, when I was younger I read a biography about his life called The Heavenly Man. And um he would go by Brother Yun. So he met Jesus when he was young. He lived in China, so in China they weren't actually able to um they weren't actually able to have church. They weren't able to be Christians. It was illegal. So he started a bunch of house churches. He started different places where um, you know, people would gather and meet Jesus. And over the years of his ministry, he was actually arrested three different times. Um, and the third time that he was arrested, this incredible story took place where um, he was actually put in a, uh, like a high, a maximum security prison because they were like, man, this guy keeps getting out and this guy keeps like doing his thing and he's not listening to what we're trying to make him do. He's still preaching the gospel. So they put him in a maximum security prison where it was brutal. See, they, the guards, they would beat him so bad that his legs actually both were broken, so he couldn't walk. So he's crippled in this maximum security prison. He's in a freezing cold chamber all by himself in, in solitary confinement. But he still believes that God has a plan for him. He still believes that there is something more, that, that his, his ministry isn't done. So as he begins to just continue to worship God, as he continues to pursue Jesus in this place, God actually gave him the strength, first of all, to stand because his legs were completely shattered. So he was able to stand up, and he was able to walk through each hallway one at a time. He walked by one guard. He walked by another. None of them saw anything. None of them said a word to him. But he continued to walk through the hallways of this prison. He continued to go all the way up to the entrance of the prison, and he just walked straight out. No one said a thing. He saw a handful of guards. He was able to walk now. But he just walked out because God gave him the power that he needed to do that. So the enemy, he thought, I got this, man. Like, he's not going to create revival in China anymore because he's in this maximum security prison. He can't even walk. He can't even get out of this place. So his job's done. Like, I took care of that. Wipe my hands off. I'm good to go. I don't have to worry about him anymore. But God had another story for him. God had another plan for him. And God decided to raise him up and he healed his legs first of all. And as he walked out, no one could see anything that he was doing. No one could see him leave. And he began to to grow churches. He began to share the gospel of Jesus because of the power that God had in his life. I just love that story because, you know, he was in a place where he had nothing left. He could do nothing else. He was completely broken. He was completely empty. He had nothing else that he could do. But Jesus came in and he changed the game. He changed the story for him. So today I want to, I don't want to just tell you a bunch of stories and and like get y'all excited about how awesome God is. I want to actually encourage you and help you understand what we can do in our personal lives so that we can come against the attacks, the tactics of the enemy. And first, um, the scripture says that we must take up the full armor of God. And that's that's really important to note. Because if you imagine like a guy that's in battle, uh, a guy that has all this artillery, he has all this weaponry, he has everything, you know, like all these things, this armor at his disposal. But he doesn't take it up. If he doesn't put it on, if he doesn't use his weapons, if he doesn't, if he just stands there, just like a bump on a log and he's just chilling in this battlefield that's not really going to do much for him. There's really no point for him to have all of these things at his disposal because if he's just standing there doing nothing, he's not using them. Obviously, eventually he will be overtaken and he will lose. So the first thing that we need to do is that we need to take up the armor of God. And the first piece of armor that Paul mentions is truth. And he he mentions it as a belt. And I was like, why is he talking about a belt? Like, I, I understand if we were in Texas and we were talking about belts because they really dig their belts there. Like, the big old belt buckles that are super shiny with, like, diamonds and stuff on them. Like, that would be cool. But we don't live in Texas. So I'm trying to figure out, like, why is he talking about a belt? Belts aren't really that cool. But I understood and I looked up to see what belts really meant. Like, the uses that they had in his time period in that context. And what a belt did is it held everything all together first of all so everything was held in place by a belt it held the sword on the side so that they could have the offensive weapon that they needed and then it also um it was if, if they didn't have a belt then nothing else would work and it, and it also protected the lower half of their body so they had everything up top that they were able to protect themselves with but then the belt also had things that would like hang off of it so that they were protected in the lower half as well so i brought a belt with me um because I wanted to just share something quickly with you to help you understand (laughs) um, the significance of the belt. And I was thinking about it, and it's like, if I put this belt on, then... um, Let me just set this down real quick. So if I put this belt on... It's nice and tight around my waist, and it's holding everything on. But if there's one piece of this belt that's missing then no matter how tight I put it, like if I let it go, shake a little bit, it'll fall off, right? So (laughs) the reason that that happens is because this piece of this belt is missing right here. So I say that to say this. If you have a belt, the belt of truth, I feel like this is the reason that he used this belt as an analogy, but if your belt has one little piece missing, then it doesn't work at all. If you have one little piece of truth that is missing... In God's word, if there's one piece that you feel like isn't relevant, then the rest of the scripture doesn't really hold its weight. It doesn't hold its power. It doesn't hold its authority. And in our world today, so many people decide that truth is what they want it to be. So many people feel like, you know, I can believe what I want to. You believe what you want to. And that's what I'm going to call truth. But the reality is that everything that the scripture has to say, everything that God's word says was written through humans, but it was God's words. So the God's word is perfect. Every aspect of it is truth. So if we have one little piece of the scripture, like one verse that we're like, I don't believe that, but I believe all the rest of it. That one little verse is a place, like a soft spot, that the enemy can just come in and he can use that one little thing to continue over time to just shatter your views of what God's Word says. He will continue to take that little truth that you are are not believing, and He can uh, just completely change your worldview of the rest of the Scriptures. So it's so important that everything that we believe, everything that we call truth, comes from the Scripture. There was like a video floating around this week um, of... Lady Gaga, and she was talking about kindness. It was a really cool video. It was awesome. It was a beautiful thing talking about how the world just needs kindness. Everyone needs to be kind to each other. Everyone needs to show each other kindness because that's going to make the world a better place, right? That makes sense. That's really cool. Shout out to Lady Gaga. That's good stuff. Um, But if we base our truth and our beliefs on different pop cultures or different celebrity icons or things that people... Think are cool at the time, it's going to really mess up our views whenever we look at what the scripture says. Because the scripture is contrary in certain aspects to what the world believes. And there are so many great things that our culture believes. There are so many great things that people say and do, like kindness, it's a great thing. That's really good to know. But there are also other aspects of the scripture that we need to make sure that we are focusing in on the things that are a little bit more contrary to our culture that are actual truth because of what God's word says about it. And then finally, just to speak uh, about truth and how it can be offensive and defensive. You know, the enemy he is going to try to um, to come against you. But whenever he does, I always just go back to scripture. I always just think of scriptures that God's, or things that God's word says that I can use to come against the enemy, Um I'm guessing that I've learned to do that because that's what Jesus did. (laughs) I try to just do whatever got, like, look at how Jesus took care of things and and try to sort of mimic that because, you know, he knew what he was doing. Um, It reminds me of whenever he was in the desert, whenever the enemy would just come and lie to him and be like, hey, man, this whole world could be yours if you just worship me for for just a second. But then he would come back and, you know, he would quote scripture to him and just say, like, this is what God's word says, so I'm not going to listen to what you have to say to me. So, whenever the enemy is trying to speak against you and he's trying to speak, um, you know, evil and, and things against you, that you can quote things like, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Or you can say to him that the same power that lives, or the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of me today. So, when you say things like this, it begins to build up your spirit. It begins to... Um, sort of shift your mind and your focus on what the enemy is trying to say to you. So when you say things like, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that literally raised the human being from death to life is inside of me today. The same power is alive in me, so I can come against anything that you have to say, devil. And then also it can be defenses, so so you can say that, you know, you are a child of the king of kings, God's word says that what great love the father has lavished on us, that we could be called sons and daughters of God. And it also says that there is no weapon that is formed against us that will prosper. So no matter what the enemy has to say to you, so often I like to just like I'll look up things or things that I remember uh, and scriptures and things that I remember, I'll write them down. And whenever I feel like I'm not doing it right, I feel like um, I'm not being a great husband or I'm not doing my ministry properly or whatever it is, I can always go back to God's word and I can be encouraged because he will give me the strength that I need. And the second piece that uh, Paul talked about was righteousness. He called it like a chest plate. So it was like a chest plate of righteousness. And in battle, the chest plate is really like the last line of defense. Um, so you have, you know, your shield, you have your weapons and things, but if somehow the enemy gets through that, in warfare, then you still have this little piece here that, that it's going to hit, and it can't get to you because it's the last line of defense. But if there was just one weak point, then it could be penetrated. So when I think about that concept, um, the whole idea of, like, my reputation comes to mind. So whenever I was younger, um, this is pretty funny, but I used to, like, see Jesus fish on people's cars, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get a Jesus fish someday. That's a nice thing to do. I love Jesus. He's pretty cool. Maybe I'll put a Jesus fish there. But then I, I decided, it's like, eh, I'm not going to do a Jesus fish because maybe someday I'm in a bad mood or I'm in a hurry to get somewhere and I cut someone off or, or like, give them the bird or something like that, which I've never done, by the way, um, Or or I don't put my turn signal on. Whatever it is, I don't want them to, like, see me on a bad day, and see that I love Jesus. And then they think that Christians are stupid. So I was like, eh, I won't do a Jesus fish. But in reality, um, I didn't actually need to think that way because uh, I'm the perfect driver. So none of these things actually do ever happen. But um, I did grow up a little bit, though, and I realized that that's stupid. Really dumb. But I decided that every single thing that I do, I should be reflecting Jesus. If I have an opportunity to reflect Jesus in my life, I need to do that. Because it almost keeps me accountable in a way, where I know that if I'm reflecting Jesus, no matter where I am, whether I'm alone in my house, whether um, I'm with just my family or friends, whether I'm with my coworkers, whether I'm out on the street talking to people, whatever it is, I always need to be reflecting Jesus. So that's what I mean by saying it's like the last line of defense, because if people try to come against you, maybe at your workplace. If people try to tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not pretty enough, that that you don't have what it takes, you don't have enough money, whatever it is, if people try to come against you and tell you things like this, you'll always know whenever you have your reputation and you're being righteous, and that is intact. You'll always know that God has your back because there's nothing that they can hold against you. But we're not righteous to attain eternal salvation. Instead, We are righteous because we may be the only true picture of Jesus for those who we come into contact with. So if you come here on a Sunday morning and you play the game where, you know, you're doing church, you're worshiping your heart out, um, you're listening to the message, you're writing every single word that I say word for word for your notes, um, then, you know, that's, that's a good thing. But if you go out from church on a Sunday morning, and then you hit Monday, and then, you know, you're, you're just gossiping to all your friends at work. And then you go, you know, out to a bar afterward, and um, like if you're just like partying and things like that. And like if that's how your life is every day but Sunday, then that's not really reflecting Jesus. That's, that's almost, um, it's like selling your faith short. Because people aren't able to see Jesus through your life if that's what you're doing. People can't see Jesus um, through your everyday walk if that's what you do when you're not at church. But if you're like, yeah, man, I go to church, and they're like, are you kidding me? You go to church? And if that's something that has ever happened to you, um, and I'm not just saying this to, like, condemn anybody because this is my life too, but if this is how it is, then it's just more of a challenge to you to say that there's so much more for you. Whenever you talk to someone and you're able to encourage someone About your faith, whenever you're able to speak to someone and tell them, hey, this is who Jesus is in my life, this is what he has done in my life, and you can share stories, personal stories and testimonies of what God has done through you, there's very few things in the world that are like that. It's such a beautiful feeling to know that you are helping someone in a way that is so much greater than just being like, yeah, man, it's going to be all right, when you have absolutely no idea what the future holds. So your own righteousness it will always fall short. My own righteousness, it will always fall short. But God is the only one who can make us perfectly righteous. So we need to remember that because we're never going to attain perfection, but but we need to always be striving for that. It's like when you love somebody, um, you want to know everything there is to know about them. Like if 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 you're married already or if you're working on that or whatever stage of life you're in, if you're trying to get to know people, whether it's you know, a future spouse or if it's friends or whatever it is, if you're trying to get to know someone, you want to know what they do. You want to know their worldviews. You want to know a little bit, like, about their life, like, where they grew up, things like that. And in the same way, we need to know who God is. We need to know who Jesus is and how he is because we're not trying to be righteous so that we can pin the blue ribbon upon our chest, We're not trying to be righteous so that we can be cooler than other people or so that we can be better than other people. The only reason that we strive to be righteous is because when you love someone, you want to be like them. You want to make them happy. You want to please them. So that's how we need to see Jesus. So it's not to earn his love, but it's to return the love that he has given to us. We don't want to be righteous so that he loves us because he already does. No matter what you do today, God already loves you. He already loves you more than he ever will. He already loves you more than you'll ever know. His love is unconditional no matter what you do. So we don't don't, uh, live a righteous lifestyle to earn anything, but we do it because we want to show him that we love him and we care about him. So just to close it out today, um, with all this in mind, if you're anything like me, I know that the enemy tries to get to me at least through telling me that I am not doing it right. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the strength that I need to follow the will that God has for me. I don't have the words to speak to the friends and the people that I encounter. And I would say that that he is right in a way. He is right because I don't know exactly what to do in my own strength. I don't know exactly what to say to people at all times but I know that my God does. And whenever I focus in on him, whenever I really pursue Jesus, whenever I really come to him and ask him to use me in a fresh and a new way, when I ask him to speak through me, when I ask him to to give me things that I can use to encourage my friends and my family, then that is the only time that I can actually fulfill the ultimate purpose that God has given to me in my life. See, as we take up our belt of truth, as we put on our rest plate of righteousness, God begins to strengthen us and he begins to to give us hope. He begins to remind us that we can do what he has called us to do. God's word says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And I love understanding, I love realizing that even though the enemy, he thought he had it in the bag 2,000 years ago. He thought that he was responsible for Jesus' death, which he was. But he thought that it was done. He thought that he had won. But I love standing here this morning telling you about a God who is alive, a God who has redeemed me, a God who has redeemed this church, a God who has overcome the defeat that the enemy thought that he had. He overcame it, and he rose from the grave. He is alive in this place. He is here with us today. And he is here to tell you to strengthen you, to give you the hope and the strength that you need. So whenever you go out, whenever you're going about your week and, and you're struggling with maybe your identity, you don't think that you're as beautiful as the next person. You don't think that that you're that as many guys will talk to you as your friend because you're not pretty enough for something. God wants to tell you that that is so far from the truth because you are so beautiful in his eyes. When you don't think that you're a good enough father or a good enough husband or wife, God wants to tell you that you are because He has given you what you need. He has given you the strength that you need to overcome the lies that you sometimes fall into, the lies that you believe. You have what it takes because God has made you strong, He has given you what you need. So, why don't we all just stand together for a moment? Um, I, just, um, I just want to pray a prayer together with you before we, before we sing one last song today. Um, but if, if you feel comfortable today, why don't we all just put our hands in front of ourselves just like this as we're receiving a gift from God. Now let's just close our eyes together and just pray this. Um, so I will pray and then you can repeat the prayer that I will say today. But let's say this together. Say, Jesus. Thank you that I'm enough. I thank you that you have given me what I need to come against the devil. I thank you that you have given me truth. I thank you that you have made me righteous. And I thank you that I am perfect in your eyes. pray that you will continue to encourage me, continue to speak to me, continue to use me to carry out your will on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen.